How can we help up-and-coming generations engage the Bible? This is the Bible Reset Podcast brought to you by the Institute for Bible Reading. Goodwin here with Glenn Powell. We're also glad to be joined by Clay Crawford to talk about the Bible and Generation Z, which, if you're not familiar with it, is the generation after the millennials, typically categorized as anyone born after 1996. Clay recently graduated from Indiana Wesleyan University, and we found out about him when we learned he'd produced a documentary featuring Glenn called Reading Blind, which explores the dynamic of Christians struggling to read the Bible well. So we're going to talk with Clay about his own personal story with the Bible, the process of creating this documentary, and where he thinks Gen Z is with the Bible and, and with faith in, gen- in general. So, Clay, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Uh, the first question we always like to ask our guests is about kind of their personal journey with the Bible. And usually we're talking with a well-known pastor or a Bible scholar or something. So we ask them how they got hooked on the Bible. Um, but that might not be the case with you. Um, so, so what's been your personal experience with, with the Bible? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was a little daunting seeing all the big name people like Tim Mackey and Jonathan Collins and Philip Yancey and then Clay Crawford, you know, introduced that. <laughs> right up there. Um, yeah. That's you. You're, you're right there with him, man. <laughs> yeah. Same one. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I appreciate you asking. Um, I think looking back at my, my childhood and my teen years, um, it's kind of like complicated emotions. Right. Like I grew up in a family uh, where both my parents are ministers in the church. Um, they love people. They love God. Uh, they have this deep joy and appreciation for the word. And so I have all of these like positive emotions about the Bible and really like the strongest foundation you could ask for. Um, but then also it's complicated because my like my life is also full of like a deep shame about the Bible for so many years, Mm. um, kind of a boredom, a frustration. And like, I read the Bible, like I did it and deeply tried for years and years. And there were these flashes of joy or like kind of understanding. Um, but I just kind of lived with the dissonance of like what I believed about the Bible, how important it was. And then my own actual experience of confusion or boredom. And I think it wasn't until actually going to a Christian evangelical college where I say like the really Christian people are supposed to be, um, where I was like, oh, dang, nobody's got this. Like so many of us uh, don't have it, right? Like this thing, this like, uh, I don't even know what to call it, this, um, this gold standard of like, oh, you really have a deep relationship with the Bible. I didn't even like know what that was. You know, I knew it was good. I knew I got um, my understanding of Jesus and I love Jesus from that. And I wanted to minister to other people. But the Bible was this thing that pastors explained, but that to me, uh, my own relationship with it would never be to their level, the people that I really admired. Um, and then finally, I. Uh, in the middle of college, all of a sudden I'm wrestling with the ways professors are showing me that the Bible has been misused and used Mm. as a weapon. Mm. And so all of a sudden, all of this comes colliding and I'm not just asking how to read the Bible. I'm asking, should I even read the Bible? And that 
that's kind of where I was for uh, a lot of my college years was in this kind of middle of still believing the Bible's important, still confused by it, and now frustrated mm. or or angry or scared to even read it on my own. Um, because did I really want to misuse the Bible? No, I didn't want to hurt anybody, right? I wanted to understand who God was and love him and love others. And so that's kind of where I was. Um, and it was kind of in that moment, that's where this project came from. It was a realization of like, I like, I need to do something right. You know, the Bible is what we say it is, or it's something else that I don't know what it is. Um, but if I'm going to, for me, it was like, if I'm going to be a pastor someday, I kind of just can't ignore the Bible, right? It's kind of like a big thing. Um, and so, uh, yeah, through the, through the process of making this documentary was even my own transformation of relating to the Bible and beginning to receive it as a gift again. Um, that when I saw it, when I asked the questions that it wanted asked, when the, when I asked the questions and engaged with it, the way the authors, um, I saw that they were the questions they were asking, like it came alive for me in a new way. Um, and I think really this thing that felt kind of like a burden began to be like unwrapping like Christmas presents, right? Like just kind of a new lens through which I was experiencing this thing that for so long had felt like a chore. Um, and all these other emotions came alive um, as I began to just engage and listen and uh, and to see the Bible for more than I thought it was. All right. So it, it sounds like this project was like really important for kind of bringing you to a new place. But before we mm. get to that, um, tell us more just kind of the story of reading blind. Like, why is a college senior making a documentary anyway? And what specifically motivated you to make reading blind? Yeah. Why am I making a documentary? Yeah. I got that question a lot. I got that question a lot. Um, I think maybe the best example was um, it was middle of my junior year or end of my sophomore year. And I had this paper that I deeply was passionate about and that I loved. And I thought it was really good. And it was pretty good. Um, and I uh, asked my best friend, I was like, hey, man, I finished this paper. Would you read it? Uh, I think it'd be really good to share. Maybe you'll find something useful from it. It was like six months later that I was like, hey, what do you think of that paper? You know, we've talked a thousand times since then. Um, <laughs> and he was like, oh, I never ended up reading it. It just got like I had so many files and I just forgot. And I was like, I think at that moment, something clicked for me of like, mm. okay. I I think my generation struggles to read sometimes in general, even apart from the Bible. Like we're reading is a challenging thing for us sometimes, especially in college where you're having all these assignments. And um, so I something kind of clicked for me where um, when I had the opportunity to spend kind of a year and a half to make a project that could be whatever I wanted to be, um, I was like, okay, what if I actually made something people were gonna watch? That people were going to actually um, see. Mm. Um, and if I, and again, as I began to wrestle with the Bible more honestly, I realized that other people were doing the same thing. And so this project kind of came out of both those things of, um, I had 
just had history of doing YouTube stuff back in high school, but kind of put that away. Um, and all of a sudden I saw that there was this opportunity to bring kind of film and art and story together with something that people are really struggling with. There's a lot of shame about, um, and that I saw that even for my friends, this would be something helpful for them and give voice to something that they've been wrestling with for a long time. And so, yeah, I think that like the reading blind itself was this weird mix of like an academic project, but mainly it was something that I was wrestling with. And like, I realized everybody else was too at the same time. Mm. Yeah, that's good. So, so I know it's kind of hard to do, but you, you do this a little bit at the beginning of, of reading blind talking about, like you said, you're on a Christian campus. Most of your classmates grew up with going to church all the time, kind of like the cream of the crop of Christian kids. Right. Um, but yeah. they're at this place with the Bible of either, you know, just um, kind of like you were like, should I even be reading this? Should I be wrestling with it, wrestling with its complexities, the strangeness of it, the the boringness of it at times? Um, where would you say your generation is just in general with the Bible? I know you've got this vantage point from like a Christian campus, but I'm sure you've got plenty of non-Christian settings that you interact with. Like, are, is there interest? Are are mm. people in your generation wrestling with it at all, or is it more just kind of apathy? I'll start with even just a Christian campus. Um, I think for the people that I lived with, lived around, saw, kind of grew up um, in our dorms, right? You know, in our at our lunch tables, there um, there was never a lack of zeal about the Bible in general. Mm-hmm. There was almost always um, agreement about the general importance or goodness of the Bible for most people. Um, and I haven't had very many conversations with passionate evangelicals who would really disagree with that. Um, but where that kind of leaves us is what I've seen, um, that kind of dissonance I was talking about. Um, I began to just hear that in conversations in a kind of, um, kind of depressive way right of like that's thing that i know i should be doing i know Mm -hmm. i know would make me a good christian but i'm just separated from it um and so the the conversation was often just ignored i think Mm -hmm. is a good way of Mm -hmm. of of like you can you can tell me again and again how good the Bible is, how I should be reading it, and I can hear that from the pulpit. I can hear that from my pastors, um, but when my experience is so much different than what my pastor is saying, um, that when I open up the Bible and what I'm promised is not what I get, like I'm not leaving Jesus. So I think that's honestly this kind of a switch to more of a broader culture. Jesus is attractive, right? Like Jesus has always been attractive and will always be attractive, right? I think the person of Jesus that is that invites us, um, that rescues us, uh, the king that gives himself, right, for the people, like this is an attractive story. And that's why people around me are Christians. Not too many of them 
um, aren't continue to be Christians because they're in love with uh, the beauty of the Bible, right? And they're compelled by that. They're compelled by Jesus, who Scripture reveals. Mm. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, ultimately, it's not the Bible that's holding them in any way to their faith. It really is the Jesus, right? The person of Jesus, which is good. Um, but it, it leaves many of them stuck in the middle of, I'm not leaving Jesus, but the book about him, right? That's supposed to talk about him. Mm-hmm. Like I can't engage with, I'm either not equipped to, or we're not supposed to, or we're supposed to, but, um, I just can't. And so, um, and surprisingly, the amount of people that have told me after watching the documentary, like, it's not just me. Like, like uh, it's been wild, right? Even, even um, I had a friend who showed her mom, right? And she called her crying, right? It's like, they said what I've been feeling for years. Uh, wow. So, like, not even just Gen Z, but, like, yeah. like, generations past built up. I think my generation feels it in a lot of specific ways, but there's this kind of built up um, fear uh, of like, this is the most basic of questions, the Bible. And if I can't handle this, you know, like, where does that leave me? And so I think Hmm. uh, I just see a lot of, um, at least on my campus, a lot of just, we don't talk about it. (laughs) We don't talk about it. I love Jesus, but that Bible thing, I'm not, uh, that's one step too far for me right now. Yeah, that's really, yeah. really fascinating. And I think, I don't know, I mean, sounds like you didn't really get this at your school, but I am seeing and hearing more and more people just saying, like, look, let's just be honest about it. Like, the Bible isn't working for us, and we do mm-hmm. love Jesus. So let's just love Jesus, and let's just admit, like, the Bible isn't just that great. It's not that helpful. Um, it's, I mean, there's these, like, standard critiques, right? It's old. It's like an ancient culture. It's not really speaking directly to us. Um, there's a lot of specific problems with the Bible, like patriarchy and um, violence, um, slavery. I mean, there's just a series of things that kind of get in the way. And so there are voices just saying, focus on Jesus. It's good. Like, we have Jesus. We don't necessarily need mm-hmm. the Bible, and it doesn't really help your spiritual life to spend a lot of time like in the Bible. So I think that group is probably going to grow as dissatisfaction yeah. with the Bible increases. And then there will be those who, like faith and culture, right, is so strong, they'll be like, they're never going to come around to actually saying negative things about the Bible, but they're, they're just going to mm-hmm. essentially, like, you know, de facto, live their lives without much Bible. They're going to be people who will always say they know they're supposed to say good things about the Bible, so they're not going to say bad things, but they'll just essentially not be engaging it very much. And that, that I think, has been a reality for a long time. I think there's, there's a group of people who, in a, in a church culture, growing up as faithful Christians themselves and serious about it, um, know that they can't see, say bad things about the Bible, but they're, they're struggling with it just in the ways that you've described. So we, I think both of these groups are out there. I'm worried yeah. that the first group is going to increase in number, where people just more and more say, you know what, we don't really, we don't have to say great things about the Bible. It's not a great book. And let's just, let's just be Christians, followers of Jesus, 
and not really, we don't have to do a lot of Bible. Or maybe we just do, like, we're red letter Christians, or we just follow, we just follow Jesus mm. and, and the stories about Jesus, but we dispense with the rest of it. So I'm yeah. just wondering, you know, like, especially the way you are in touch with, you know, the next generation that's coming and previous generations have had this struggle. Um, do you think this, the way you've articulated it in reading blind is the problem isn't really the Bible. It's that we haven't told people what it is and what to do with it. We, we keep thinking the answer mm -hmm. is just tell people how important it is and tell them to read and engage more. And it's really important. It's the word of God. And we keep saying all these great things, but we're not really doing what you're trying to do in reading blind, right? Which is, how are you reading it? What do you expect? What, how does the Bible actually work? Can you, can you talk about your vision for kind of getting beyond this impasse that I think we've had with the Bible? Yeah. Yeah. And I think what you just described, the growing number of people who are attracted to Jesus, but this Bible is every, seems like everything but that. Mm. <laughs> it seems everything but the Jesus they're told. That was me. And I didn't express that as much in the introduction because not everyone's there. Yeah. But for me, like I said, it was complicated emotions where there was confusion and boredom, but there was also anger. Um, I was that person at that point where I did not know whether the Bible would be a consistent part of my spiritual life, whether this would even be a, a guiding force in who I understood God, God to be. When I started the project, I was at that point of, can, the, can I even read the Bible? But should I even read the Bible? Because I had seen and heard and finally had my eyes open in many ways to saying, oh my goodness, look at American slavery. We look at segregation. Look at the ways that people have seen the Bible as an energizing force for things that I find deeply troubling, mm -hmm. right? And so actually I'd say my answer to that was, was surprising to me. And this project shaped over time because as I began to talk to people, even people who I thought I knew their answer, um, who I thought were going to push the Bible to the side, right? And just say, just focus on Jesus, yeah. right? Um, and somehow separate these two things to where they don't interact anymore. Um, it was those people, right? It was people like Samuel Perry, Taking America Back for God, who wrote that book, who encouraged community. People like uh, Rich Velotis, uh, pastor from New York, who encouraged uh, to see the Bible through Jesus, right? Through the lens of Jesus, to m help these things merge. That I actually, like, my belief about the Bible changed to where I'm actually encouraged. I actually believe that the problem isn't just in the Bible itself, but it's what we bring to it as well. Mm. It's the ways in which we are interacting with it. Um, and some of the assumptions that what we think the Bible is supposed to be, and that when the Bible isn't that, we're frustrated right. or we're angry. Yep. Um, or in, in years past, um, our, when we bring our just our prejudice to the Bible or things that we uh, don't fully understand or haven't reconciled with, and the Bible can be a weapon. It can be used in different ways. But I think all of those, whether it's just confusion or it's anger, I think it comes 
from not actually understanding what the Bible is and approaching it in the way that it wants to be approached. Um, and so I, th- I think my own wrestling has really been what you just described. Um, and I think even the conversations I had with those pe- pastors, sociologists, historians, like I was transformed. Like I was legitimately, God used it in a legitimately powerful way in my own life to where my relationship with the Bible is different and to where Jesus is not just this character that shows up one time in the Bible, but Jesus is the story of scripture, right? Not to steal the Bible product too much, but that (laughs) it is this story that reveals Jesus and that that is why I can't give the Bible up, right? Because ultimately, that's where Jesus is revealed. That's why I can't give it up. And I know that without scripture and community that helps me read that scripture, um, I made a shape Jesus to be someone I want him to be Mm. instead of all he is, right? All that scripture reveals. Um, And so, yeah, that's my, I think that that's the reason that I can't separate Jesus entirely from the scripture and just say, I just want yeah. him because to know him, right. Is to come to know the stories where he reveals himself, right. To come to know God is to come to see the way God interacts with humanity and um, to see myself inside that story. Yeah. And he's living a story that started way before him. So, um, there's a, there's a bigger story. I mean, Clay, isn't it? It's kind of crazy, right? In the church that we have this thing called the Bible that we think is so important, but you've kind of brought up this idea that we're not really helping people like work with the book that's actually there. Like we have these, these great words and we, we, we keep saying how important it is daily quiet time you know, be in the word. We have these phrases, but I mean, I grew up in an environment pretty similar to yours, like strong Christian home, Christian school, strong church background all the way through lots of Bible, but nobody ever, ever told me this is what the Bible is. This is what you're going to find when you actually start reading the Bible. And this is how you actually how it works. This is how it leads to Jesus and why the Jesus lens is such an important thing. And all of it, that kind of goes with understanding the kind of writing it is. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that really help people read the Bible well or not. And it's amazing to me that the church doesn't actually spend time on that with people. It just doesn't. Like you can grow up in the church mm. and never get that. I mean, why would this be if the book is so important? We don't actually teach people what it is and what they're supposed to do with it. I think that's what I see in reading blind is you've uncovered this. And then, then you start talking to people who can help us find a way out of this impasse. Yeah. Yeah. I, the example, which I was super thankful to Glenn, sorry, super thankful to Samuel Perry. Um, of course, thankful to you (laughs) and your, in your contributions (laughs) as well. Um, but the example he gives, right. Of of a basketball camp. Mm -hmm. Just like nuzzle, like like was stuck in my brain for literally like six months until it came out. From the time I recorded time to the time it came out, with this idea that if you went to a basketball camp and your you know your parent asked you, "Well, what'd you learn?" 
<laughs> basketball camp. You said, well, I was there for a week. And, uh, well, the coach uh, dribbled some. And then I watched him shoot. And then we went, you know, went back to sleep. Right. We ate, went back to sleep. <laughs> and then that just happened for seven days straight. Um, and then I got home and and I think I know a little bit more about basketball. But maybe I actually don't. I actually didn't play basketball yeah. at all. I didn't learn anything. Um, we would say that wasn't a very good basketball camp. And I think what he points out is the same thing happens in the church. Is that a pastor can both encourage people to read the Bible and then like try to model it themselves in just some simple ways, whether they right, exegete the text well in their faithful literary context. Those things are important, and people can learn a lot from their pastors and mentors by doing that. But if those people aren't actually playing basketball, right, if they're not given opportunities to be in the Word, to have somebody mentor them, to say, hey, uh, no, you're, this is good, but your form's a little off here. Or, hey, have you thought about trying this? Have you, like, the, the learning process that comes about with doing and practicing um, is often the most important thing. So much more important than just watching somebody else do it. You know, mm-hmm. like I can learn a lot. I can learn a little from watching Michael Jordan play. <laughs> um, but when I go out there and try to play basketball, like my body doesn't do what his does <laughs> automatically, you know? Yeah. And, um, and to even begin to do some of those things, takes muscle memory and it takes training. And what I may find is that, yeah, I won't be able to do all that Michael Jordan can, but I can play basketball. Right. And so I think for, for me, that's so helpful to find that, yeah, we're all not going to be NT right. We all don't have the opportunity to have years and years of theological training, but I think, and what I've seen and what makes me hopeful is that when people are given an opportunity to learn and and practice and try and grow they can read scripture right they can play basketball and and it can be life-giving it can be so such an important way of god speaking into their life and showing them who right they're meant to be how they're meant to live in the world these so i i really think um yeah i think churches Mm. have an opportunity to walk alongside people and to say you're not alone in this we're going to learn together. We're, we're going to grow this. There's going to be mistakes. There's going to be hiccups. There's going to be times where it doesn't click. and That's okay. Um, but we're in this together because we believe this is important. Yeah. So one thing it sounds like reading blind is a call to the church to give people like a better invitation to the actual Bible, the Bible that really exists, what yeah. you're going to expect, and then some simple things about what it takes to read it well. So it's kind of a challenge to the church, right? To to do something different with the Bible besides just talking about how great it is and encouraging people to read and modeling it with pastors, but actually giving them like more help and real, a real invitation to the Bible that actually exists. So it seems to me like that's one big kind of fruit that's going to come from your work is this as, as hopefully even I'm thinking it's cool if more and more people can see this um, documentary that you've produced and that, churches and pastors will take it to heart like we need to do the bible differently in our congregation because it's not working the way we're doing it uh final question for you from from your vantage point you know having just graduated college heading into the real world welcome to the real world 
Um, what what do you feel? Like, yeah. <laughs> what do you feel like your generation really needs to get uh, deep rooted, kind of authentic faith? I mean, you mentioned this this tendency to separate Jesus Jesus in the Bible, and I was reading NT right not too not too long ago, and he talks about how if you if you kind of separate them from each other, they both become distorted because uh, you know you read the Bible without mm. its point, and then you're free to make Jesus into whoever you want him to be because he's not tied to this larger story. Yeah. Um, so, so how do you feel? What do you think is the path forward for Gen Z and scripture and the faith in, and getting them to really, yeah, come to an authentic place with both of those things? I think what I found interesting, um, you can look at studies that all say generation Z is the most anxious generation, mm. right? Like Gen Z, mm -hmm. we are um, constantly connected to the world around us. We're the most technologically aware. It's like we're constantly connected. We're constantly anxious, right? Like we're both of these things at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, and I think one of the challenges is identity, who we are, is not simple for us. Um, there are so many stories in the world. Um, there are so many, um, I'd say like life logic, like, why do I do the things I do? That's really what the story is. Like, why do I go here and sp spend my money here? Why do I try to get a job here? Right. Where do I live? Who do I engage with? What do I care about? What do I spend my time on? All those, I think, come from a place of story and identity. Um, and I think our generation is actually open to stories more than even other generations. Uh, we spend so much of our time engaging with stories uh, like Netflix binge, right? Is a part of that, that we are attracted to stories and, and ways of life that, um, that tell us who we are and who we're supposed to be. And so I actually think scripture, um, even though for so many, it's a confusing thing or for many people, it's a negative thing. Um, it's a, maybe a bigoted thing for some as they see it. That story is actually one of the main things scripture provides. That when you see this holistic narrative, right, from Israel to Jesus to the church all coming together, like it tells me where I fit into the world. It is like this thing that can root me, that gives me an identity no matter where I live my gender, my ethnicity, like it tells me about God and who I'm meant to be, right? Like it has an opportunity to be that for us. Um, and I think for a generation that's hungry for justice, right? Scripture has actually been um, one of those essential things that to begin to see it as something that energizes justice, not opposed to justice. Esau Macaulay talks about, um, right? Uh, right? Enslaved uh, African-Americans, right? Even though it was scripture that was often used to oppress them, the thing they mm. found hope in was the scriptural story, the scriptural narrative that said God is actually for the oppressed, that God is actually for us. Like how beautiful, like how beautiful, uh, what a beautiful hope we have that even though we may be confused and bored or angry, um, that even those who have been oppressed by scripture, God is still able to use it 
in a way to bring hope and life. And they found their story inside of that in a God that loves them and cared for them and was fighting for them. And so, yeah, I think uh, I have hope for this generation and faith in scripture um, because I feel strongly that it, it serves a purpose we are all waiting for, like this kind of hole that we're all hoping can be filled one day. We find a purpose, right? An identity. Um, so yeah, I think, I think one of the solutions is to present this story to them in its fullness, right? Where Jesus fits in, how he completes this story, um, and to let people, right? Like be immersed in that, not to use your own immersed language, but to let people actually (laughs) experience that. Um, because at the end of the day, it's attractive and it speaks to, I think the deepest Mm. parts of who we are. We want that. We want a story to live into. And uh, when we show people how beautiful that story is, um, we can work with next steps wherever somebody is. Um, So yeah, I'm, I'm actually hopeful, even though the statistics are troubling right now. And I think my generation is struggling in a lot of ways. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that that uh, the Bible is actually a pathway, is actually a pathway to people seeing God and uh, to seeing the love he has for them. Yeah, just to add one last comment from from me, I think um, your hopefulness in that is amazing. And I think it's it is easy if you know the research to get depressed about the fact that Younger and younger people are increasingly walking away from the Bible, and it's older people who read it more. Um, and but everybody is struggling with the Bible. But I remember there was this uh, literary writer from the UK back in the last century who said the oldest book is only just out for those who have not read it. And and I think that's the way we should think about it. Is mm. okay. There's actually an opportunity here, not not just a disaster. There's an opportunity to introduce the Bible to people as a new book, because people don't know it. Younger yeah. people, if they're given a new paradigm, a new way, a new world of seeing the Bible differently than what they might have inherited from their church, because it's actually more honest about the Bible. And more redemptive. It's a redemptive story moving toward Jesus. I think, you know, it's encouraging to hear what you've said about we still have a chance with the Bible if we can if we can get this perspective more widely shared about what the Bible really is, especially the Jesus lens part. So thanks. Thanks, Clay, for your work on all this. Yeah. Hey, I think, yeah, I think that I, if I had to summarize the entire goal of reading blind, right? Why like I would spend a year and a half trying to do something, right? Trying interviews and all that it took. I think it's that core where I believe if we can, right, if we can level this playing field a little bit, right? Get back yep. to the basics of, of let's not assume that we know what the Bible is, right? These little verses or these little things that you've heard. Um, yep. Maybe yep. that's not all the Bible is. And so I think for Generation Z where there is less knowledge, some people see that, like you said, as depressing. Um, but I think there's actually an opportunity to say, let's start from scratch. Um, let's hear this story for mm. the first time. Um, maybe we can engage with, with it for all it has for us. 
that's a good note to end on, I think. And yeah, thank you for joining us, Clay. This has been encouraging for me. I, I'm, I'm usually the young guy on the call, so not too much, too much older <laughs> than you, mind you. But, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's fun to see this up and coming yeah. generation, folks like you, that have taken the initiative to create something like Reading Blind. And, um, you know, you were telling us before the call just how much time you poured into this, both from the interviews and the editing side. Like it's a major project and I think, uh, I think it's going to be helpful for a lot of people. So thank you for taking the, the time to join us and to ask mm -hmm. hard questions about the Bible that, that led to this documentary. And um, I think it's going to be helpful for a lot of people. Of course, we encourage all of our listeners to check out Reading Blind, which is freely available to watch on YouTube. I'll go ahead and leave a link in the show notes for that so you can go ahead and check it out. As always, the Bible Reset podcast is brought to you by Changemakers, our community of donors who give monthly gifts of any amount to help us create resources that change the way people read the Bible. If you appreciate this podcast and you'd like to support our work, you can learn more at instituteforbiblereading.org slash changemakers. That's going to do it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you on the next one.